Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! Again, my beautiful screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets bent. This is episode 143, and yes, I'm still on hiatus. My health is still not up to snuff. I'm still getting headaches. So instead of leaving you in the lurch, it's another edition of my bottom of the barrel classics. And you know, it's really tough to be a bottom. At the bottom of the barrel because the pickles nip. What? I don't know. I don't know. I was trying to make a sexual innuendo and I completely failed. But for this episode, we are going all the way back to episode seven. And we're going to talk about the movie Dead Tone, which was another huge piece of shit that had me hyperventilating with rage. And you guys giggling in your earphones or something. Uh, just before we get going, though, I just, I'm just trying to think what's going on. Uh, Bradford is right now putting a deposit down on an apartment, so I might have my swinging bachelor's pad soon, which will be exciting because we broke up a year ago, and that's been a source of stress, which might be related to the headaches, but you didn't hear that from me. And, um, yeah, so that's cool. And, oh, we do have a winner. Hey, remember when we had a contest, like, back in April, win a trip to the Nile? But not really. Sponsored by Doug Shapiro. Yes, we have a winner for that. It has been phoned in. That voicemail has been sitting in my inbox for a very long time. But I'm waiting to do a real episode to give it to you. And also because I just found out Doug forgot to give me the DVD before he went away for the summer to do all his magical theater roles. And... In the interim, his beautiful husband threw out the DVD. What? Why would? Why would you? I don't, what? So Doug has to buy another one, and is sending it to me instead of to the winner of the contest directly because that would have made more sense. But you know what, Doug? We love you. We love you, and I'm glad you're home. We've got so much to catch up on, girl. And speaking of Doug's husband, I got to go to the theater with Doug's husband, whose name is Sean, and we got to see the revival of Spring Awakening, put on by Deaf West. Yeah, you fucked so right, and I was right. You can kiss your sorry ass goodbye. Totally fucked, will they mess you up? Now you know they're gonna try. Blah, 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 blah. The whole thing, this was, I guess, out 10 years ago. It's a rock musical written by, uh, music by Duncan Cheek. And yeah, even though it's set in like the 1890s in Berlin and it still looks like that, the music's rock. And it's all about, you know, young, burgeoning sexuality in a time of repression. However, the thing here is that half of the cast is hearing impaired. So the, si- uh, the show is performed... V- you know, vocally and with sign language. And you think that must get confusing, and it kind of is, but it's also kind of beautiful. Like the people who have, you know, who can hear are singing and everything. 
but acting with people who may be able to speak enough, but everybody's doing sign, but those people who can't, don't speak, they have what, like a ghost voice. There's a person that follows them around and watches them very closely and acts for them, so it's kind of beautiful. And the thing with this that I thought was cool, what they were saying, because this Spring Awakening is based on a very old play that came out in, let's say, 1897. I'm just throwing that out. And it was banned because it was just too sexual. You can't have a story about children learning how to masturbate and where babies come from. And, hey, maybe sometimes hitting somebody with a stick till it hurts can be kind of sexy. Can't do that. Can't do that. The thing is, the same year in America... Sign language was banned from being taught. Experts decided that lip reading and mimicking mouth movements was the way to go to teach deaf people how to speak. So they incorporated the two together So because this all takes place in a boys' school. So it's almost kind of like a deaf school. So the people would be signing and then the teacher would yell at them. Anyway, it's a great show. It's a beautiful thing. And the thing was, I went with Doug's husband because I'm like, hey, this is a hot ticket. Someone's going to want to go with me. I had to pick Rosh Hashanah. So everybody's going to see their mom. Or everybody hates me, one or the other. So I called Doug. I'm like, Doug, I know you're home. And he's like, no, I'm being Catholic for cash. Because forget it. That's too complicated. So Sean went with me. And I'm like, okay, wow, this is great. I'm going to be going out with, hanging out with uh, Doug's husband. And I'm thinking, well, g- gosh, I hope I'm dressed properly. Because, you know, for Doug's husband, I just wanted to look clean. And I'm afraid he'll think I'm a nurse. or, or I don't know. I don't know. But in the middle of the show, I'm like, oh, my God. I think he's getting handsy with me. And then I realized Sean was just singing along. And that's a sign language joke, and that was really stupid. Oh, and hey, that play that I was in, The Underpants Cadeau, it won best play of the festival that it was in. So yay for us. I, I just wish it ran longer. Five performances is not enough, and you could have seen me partially nude. And under stage lights, it was like, God, he's white. My eyes just burst into flames. I said, well, you should have me inside of you sometime. What? Did I just say that? I must be feeling a little bit better. Aside from that, I'm not too sure what else is going on. Smooch is fabulous. She's fitting in much better every day. Her temper tantrums get more and more controllable. Sebastian is groovy. He's a little underweight, but that's okay. And if you're new to the show, I'm talking about my pussies. Those are my kitties. And that's, that's life here. It's been quiet because I don't do much. I've put on an enormous amount of weight because most of the day I can't do anything. I've put on like 25 pounds this summer. I'm going to have to change my whole marketing concept when I start acting again. So they're like, okay, you're not that anymore. So, And also for dating. I'm supposed to start dating soon. I'm like, not quite a bear. I'm not an honorary. I don't know what the fuck I am. You know what I am? I'm fabulous. And you know what? So are you. And hey, I just wanted to let you know that I think this may be actually the last of the bottom of the barrel things for a while. I've set up an interview with Joe Borelli for this week to finally talk about the Duke. Now, maybe when the episode comes out, it won't be a fancy-schmancy, heavily edited episode. It might be more raw than usual, but it's time to get you guys some new content, right? And I have a whole bunch of voicemails that you folks left regarding your varied and widely different opinions about the Duke. So if you want to get in on that conversation, by all means, give me a call at... 
917-720-2047 or drop me a line at crew at screamqueens.com or join the Facebook page, do a search on Scream Queens Horror Podcast or you can do a search on the private group Screamers, which is for the fans. You guys actually have some chit-chat. You can follow me on Twitter at Scream Queens and of course all that's with a Z and... Listen to me on Stitcher and iTunes and tell your friends. I know, I know I'm in hiatus, but you know, you know what? I don't like that word, hiatus. It sounds like my anus is high, which it's, it's where it's supposed to be. You know what? But enough of my babbling, because it is time to hop into the Wayback Machine and go to September 11th, 2010, because it is time to visit the massive, massive, steaming turd pile that is, was, and ever will be the movie Dead Tone. See you next time, kids. This week for the crapshoot, we have a little ditty called Dead Tone from 2007. This movie was also known as 75 when they tried to release it in 2004 and nobody would touch it. 75, they did that really cool thing where they substitute letters for numbers. So the S and there's a 7, there's a 5, and the 75. And oh, fuck it. Let's just listen to the goddamn trailer. What are you doing? I'm watching you. We'd sure hate to see you guys have any problems. We'll be fine up here. I'm coming to kill you. Did you hear something? It's him. Hurry up. 75. Hear the rules. You have 75 seconds. Completely trick the person on the other end of the line into believing what you're pitching is absolutely real. If they hang up, you lose. First, always dial star 67 before making a call. Where the hell are you? don't, it will allow the weirdos on the other end of the line to call your dumb ass back. Now who wants to go first? Holy crap, where do I even start with this movie? Okay, so it goes by two titles. Yeah, they tried to push this on the world in 2004. Nobody wanted it. So time goes by, and since it's got an urban flavor to it, uh, it was picked up by Flavor Flav's Night Tales Company, which apparently they got some DVDs coming out soon, and this was their first full-length movie that they didn't actually produce. Yeah, so they're really pushing on the box cover, like, Flavor Flav presents Night Tales, and he's going to be this new horror host. Okay, Flavor Flav's involvement with this project took all of literally 10 seconds at the beginning of the film, where he appears in this ridiculous green screen, like, castle hallway, and he's wearing a cape and a stupid hat, and he goes, Ah, ha, ha, I'm the timekeeper, ah, ha, ha, and disappears. That's it! He doesn't introduce the movie at all. So <laughs> if you bought, if you were renting this to see Flavor Flav, you got fucked. <laughs> so, 
Now let's get into the movie. Get ready to get fucked again. Okay, the story opens with this group of kids, young kids, and they're having a slumber party while their parents, or all their parents are downstairs having a grown-up party. In my mind, they were swinging. But you know what? It does, <laughs> that would make the movie too interesting. Anyway, the kids are upstairs. They're supposed to be asleep, and instead they're making crank phone calls. And eventually, somebody crank calls the wrong person. And somehow, within two minutes, this crazy person shows up at the house and axe murders everybody downstairs. Um, he gets away or something, and the kids are survive, but they're horribly scarred because they witnessed all the parents get murdered right in front of them. Flash forward, I don't know, 10 years or 12 years, depending on which person you're talking to, because, you know, the titles say one thing and the cops say something else, but whatever, whatever. Now, it's not immediately clear. I thought you would think that now all these kids are at college and now we're following them because we're introduced to this group of kids of roughly that age. It's not until about halfway through the, through the film where you realize, oh, okay, these are different kids, except for one of them. Here's the kicker. He's still playing the fucking game. As a matter of fact, he's revised the fucking game, which leads to the other title, which was 75. See, in his game, you make a crank phone call, you do that thingy so that they can't trace the call, you have 75 seconds to pull whatever crank you're going to do. Gotta keep the person on the line for 75 seconds, because that's the amount of time that it takes for them to get a trace on you, and if you do it, you win. He does it to gamble. But I'm like, okay, let me get this straight. The last time you played this game, you orphaned everybody that you knew, including yourself. But okay, whatever, we're still playing the game. So all these rich assholes, they go up to a big mansion in the middle of nowhere, and they start playing the game. They crank call the wrong person, and he shows up and axe murders everybody. You, you gotta get you, get, you see where, no surprises here at all. Um, this is another fucking movie that assumes that I'm stupid. Now, I mentioned before that, you know, it's a, it, they, 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 they fucked up the timeline. Is it 10 years or 12 years? Whatever. They didn't clearly care. Okay, at the first thing you meet in the flashback is this grungy guy who's whacking it to some... You know, internet porn. By the way, that's the only boobies you're going to see in the film, and they're blurry. And you get to see him whack off for like five minutes. I mean, this is the kind of movie it's going to be before he finally gets axe murdered. Then, when they do a news report on it, they're like, this guy was axe murdered. And they show a photo of him, and the photo isn't even like a headshot or like a normal photo. It's a still from the scene we just saw of him whacking off. I'm like, how did the news get that photograph? Oh, that's right. You think I'm stupid. And just other bullshit, too. Like, the kids are standing on the street having a conversation, and the same jogger passes them five fucking times. In about three seconds, from different angles. Because you think I'm stupid. What's infuriating about this film is that it looks great. The production is great looking. The camera work is solid. There are scenes that have some suspense. When the killer first comes to the house and is you know, chopping his way through these asshole, the secondary partiers, it builds up some suspense. So clearly they kind of knew what they were doing, but they just didn't bother to follow through on it. First of all, this goes into my other horror movie cliche that I can't stand. All of these kids are so fucking obnoxious that I don't want to be around them. They're not even nice to each other. They don't want to be around each other. If you don't like each other, why should I give a shit about you? I don't. Just die already. God. And again, the another cliche, hi cat, that um they keep doing. As I said in the scene where the guy first shows up and he's axe murdering everybody downstairs, He's breaking through doors and there's dozens of people screaming and there's crashing and breaking and booming and banging and nobody hears a thing. Nobody hears a thing upstairs. There's not even loud music playing. But then later on, like five seconds later, somebody hears a mouse fart outside and everybody's like, oh my God, what was that? Fuck you. Fuck you. And the special effects are hit and miss too. Like I said, there's a scenes that are great and then there's a scene 
where a guy getting a, a Hummer in the hot tub, he gets his head cut off while his girlfriend is, you know, doing underwater investigations. And she comes up, she's like, ah, his head's gone. His head's gone, his neck's not bleeding, and it's literally just a pink stump. Really? And I mean, it's a nice tight close-up, so it's in a long, lingering close-up, like, hey, look at this shitty special effect. Yeah, yeah, we don't give a crap about you, audience. And the acting is good, but they're given nothing to do, and the whole thing is just a fucking insult from start to finish. Oh, and I forget, there's one token gay character who is the most offensive embarrassing portrayal of a homosexual I have seen in I don't know how long. Just swishing and swooshing and swashing and swishing. And some other reviewer on another site said that since this is an urban film, it seemed that they took the gay character and made him what they think the black character normally is in horror movies. And I, I don't know if I agree with that. All I know was what I saw was repulsive. Repulsive. You know, there's one redeeming character in it, this guy named Crazy Carl, who starts off as an asshole. He comes off with fart jokes and burping and puking and just, like, the fat jerk dork of the party who somehow hooks up with the hottest chick there. But as the movie progresses, he actually gets some hero traits and you're really rooting for him until he falls for the oldest movie stupid death ever where he gets in the car and the killer's in the back seat where he can't possibly be because he was just somewhere else 30 seconds ago. That crap. Just... And... When it finally gets down to the killing of the major characters, almost all of them are off screen. And I don't even mean off camera, like not in the scene that happened. Like, oh, look, that person's dead. When did that happen? Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. Oh, by the way, the solution doesn't make any fucking sense. Well, it does, but it's stupid. The only saving grace of the film is Rutger Hauer, who's in this for about 10 minutes. He plays a detective investigating everything. Um, because the actual kids from the actual original call have been getting knocked off at the same time that this is going on at the house which also makes no sense but gah! you know he's he knows what movie he's in but god bless him he's not phoning it in he's actually doing you know, some he's trying to do his best with what he has so god bless you Rutger Hauer you couldn't save this piece of shit or I'm sorry or should I say this piece of crap that is my verdict my verdict is final fuck you fuck you sideways the calls are coming from inside your ass. Fine. I go hunting for witches. Heads up, going to roll. Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com. Bitches! <laughs>